0: kids. They're gonna love Dark Falls. <laughs> Somebody's out there. Someone or something. something. Saber's coming. Come on, man. We gotta go. The saber's hungry. Stay out of the basement. I must have your beautiful hands. Perfect. Time to get perfect. Welcome to Welcome to Deadcast. Welcome to Welcome to Welcome to... Ta- I'm Daniel Montgomery. i <laughs> no, Scott Montgomery. And we love school. Yeah. Oh, whoops. Goose- Wrong podcast. Goosebumps. We love Goosebumps. Yes, yes, that's yes, it. Yes, yes, that's right. This is the Goosebumps podcast, not the school cast. <laughs> we are talking about even more tales to give you Goosebumps. Yes, girl, we're still on it. Collection of short stories. <laughs> this is number seven in number... Number three, lol. Yes, this is the seventh short story in the third collection of short stories, and this one's got a TV episode, a two-parter, bitch. Wow, dude, I'm gonna say this now. They, when they were uh, filming the TV episode for uh, the Perfect School, they thought. Hey, the producers thought actually this is going pretty well. We're going to film some extra scenes and actually let's just make it a two-parter. It was not originally intended to be a two-parter. Oh, really? That's okay. Right. For That's some reason right. in Mamai, I remember this is a three-parter. Three-parter? No, what but is it's this? Only two. What is this? The trilogy? Only two. Wow. So let's talk about the perfect school. Yes, yeah, so let's talk about what it takes to be the perfect school. So, our protagonist's name is is Brian O'Connor. For some reason, for out of, like, Goosebumps character names, I always remember that the perfect school lead is Brian O'Connor. Oh, wow. What, what an impact it's had. I know. Deep impact. So... <laughs> Brian's parents receive a brochure in the mail for brochure for something called The Perfect Boarding School and on the brochure it says why settle for anything less than perfect. Oh. And Brian himself is far from perfect. Let me tell you all the ways. He says Brian says I make my bed so I'm far from perfect I make my bed sometimes I take a shower sometimes I get my homework done sometimes and I please my parents never oh. so we start we just jump right in and he yeah the story is this story's very short it is pretty short he is getting on a train. To go to the perfect school, like the perfect boarding school. My ass I guess. is pretty imperfect too. Listening to what his description of his imperfection is. That's true. On this train, he sees another kid named C.J. who's all, who's reading that brochure, and they start chatting, and they talk about their parents, and they're like, "What are this sucks." They say, "Who says? Who says you're not perfect? Who says you're not worth it?" That's right, and. They said, "Why, why isn't there a school to teach parents to be perfect instead? Am I right? Right, ladies? Can, Can I hear brutal. it from my sisters?" Yes. And they get off a train and get onto a van that's a perfect van. It says "perfect" on it. <laughs> And, and they drive for about 30 minutes and they pull up to these iron gates and see a row of Perfect kids, all wearing gray uniforms, gray, holding, gray, turn turned to, to gray. gray, and I wearing gray commentary. suitcases, and they're just standing silently in a line in front of a big old sign that says "Perfect Graduate." We get it; they're prefect. <laughs> as um, Brian and CJ and the other the other perfect children, or soon to be perfect children, or whatever, get off the van, a man introduces himself as the director. His of name perfect is Uncle school. Al. I'm kidding. <laughs> (laughs) I don't think this guy ever actually gives his name. Nope. If you're perfect, you don't need a name. That's true. He just says, I'm the director. And he says, you're going to leave your bags. Just leave them where they are and line up in order of height from, you know, like shortest to tallest or whatever. Mm. And they are all assigned a number instead of a name. Anumbe. And Brian is number one sixteen. I think that's pretty good. I always remember that the lead character's name of this book is one sixteen. That's right, and he says that the this director guy says you are to call him and their and all of their teachers guardian. I think that's hot. This is turning into some sort of cult kind of next this book is uh, Sexy. Brian sees a car pull up to greet one of the, the those the perfect graduates that are just standing there silently at attention. They seem like robots. They all the kids kind of seem like robots, and that's kind of strange. And it's exactly what's happening. <laughs> um, the, the guard, guardian. Takes, Spoiler alert. I mean, let's get real. Guardian takes Brian inside, uh, or a guardian. Not I don't know. There's lots of guardians takes Brian inside and down a long hallway and CJ gets taken another way and says, see you later. And the guardian says, no talking. And he notices that all the doors inside the school are all closed. This story moves very fast for me. And I think I think turning it for a two-part episode is good because I think this could have been a full-length Goosebumps book. You know, I actually think you're right about that. Yeah, finally I'm right about something. <sighs> Stop. Oh, you, you, you are too mean to yourself. No. So they, uh, B- Brian and his guardian, walk up a flight of stairs and down a hall to a, the very last room at the end of that hallway... And the last room on the left. Mm, The guardian says, you will wear these clothes. You will eat this food and you will wait here to be summoned. So he leaves Brian in this room and the room has a bed, a dresser, a desk, and a chair. And girl, everything is gray. I'm talking about the uniform is gray. I'm talking about that gray bowl of food that they eat every day that tastes like oatmeal is gray. Try the gray stuff. It's delish tits. Brian hears a sound that's coming from the vent in his floor and it sounds like it's whispering. Oh, it goes like this. It goes, it goes, and he tries to talk to the whispers and says, hello, and a guardian from outside the room says, hey, no talking, keep it down and down, and then the whispers stop. At Brian's first training session, he sees CJ and tries to talk to him, but <laughs> no, you guys talking know the rules. Aloud. no talking allowed. No talking allowed. The students are one of the things they have to do is answer all of these questions in this workbook, like this incredibly dense workbook. I'd A- love to do this. I'd love to answer questions about myself. Well, why don't you do that then? I'm going to read you some of the questions. All okay. Right? So the questions are: um, What do you call your parents? Mommy and Daddy. What's your favorite food? Taco Bell? What costumes have you worn for Halloween the last five years? We don't have enough time. Well, are you sure? Okay. And Brian is trying to be silly, is like, what is this? So he answers the questions like, my I call my dad featherhead and my mother <laughs> jellyface. That makes me laugh really hard. It made me laugh then, and it makes me laugh now. My favorite food is lumpy gray oatmeal. And every single Halloween I've dressed as a three-humped camel. Lol. And he thinks his answers are so funny that he tries to show them to CJ. But he's grabbed hard by a guardian. No talking aloud. And the guardian pulls him away and places him in a special training course. Mm, Train me, daddy. So, what? I don't know. Keep going. He hits, the guardian hits like a buzzer under his, under the desk, his desk, like in the front of the classroom. And another guardian shows up and takes 116 to his special training course in the pattern room. The pattern room? To speed up his training. And... Uh, Brian is placed on a bench next to a little girl who's swinging her legs. Now, I want to point out that I believe in this book, it's guys and girls together. I believe, but in the TV episode, it's just have. guys. Yeah, that's but, true. So he's anyway, he's he's taken to this room where he's sitting next to this girl on a bench, and she's swinging her legs, and she doesn't have a damn care in the world. She whispers to him like, "Do you know what they're gonna do?" Actually, she does have a care. She says, "I heard that. I, I heard Uh-oh. that they." But then she's called so she's called from the room, um, into the the room. Um, Across the hall Across the hall And so he's like Well that was it Brian hears the whispers again 116 Yes sorry Number 116 hears the whispers again After this girl's been taken into the room And he hears them like Coming from inside the walls What? I, I don't know And they start saying things like this don't go into I the pattern room. Don't do it. Stay out of the chalk closet. Don't go. Don't go into the pattern room. The pattern room. It sounds scary. Um, and then um, a guardian shows up at that door and orders Brian to follow him inside. And Brian is super scared, but it turns out to be. I don't know. In the room is a scale, an examining table, and some cotton swabs and some bandages. And it kind of looks like a doctor's office. Bandages. Now, that sounds very scary. I don't like that. It does. It sounds too scary. The guardian makes him step on the scale and records, like, his height and weight and measures literally every part of his body. Girl, even his tongue, okay? Wow, prove it. Wow, prove that. Then this guardian holds up a color wheel next to Brian's eyes and tries to find a perfect mage. And it's like what? I can't I'm so confused. I have no idea what's going on here. No, I can't I can't understand what could be Wait, happening. Wait, this is a boarding school to make perfect kids and now they're asking me all these questions about my life and measuring my body and trying to match my eyes. I don't get it. I don't understand why they're doing this. I'm really confused. If anyone listening can figure it out, please comment below and tell us. So he gets sent back to his room and Brian's like and the guardian just tells him to go back to his room and Brian's like, Oh, I don't even have an escort? I'm like, oh, Okay, that's pretty cool. So he's like, "I have to escape." Like, he's like, "I gotta get, I gotta get out of here, bitch! I gotta find a phone in here somewhere and call my parents. And something wrong is gonna happen when I try to call them on the phone, like it does every camp and school book." That's right. So he listens at every door till he finds a door that there's no sounds like there's no nothing inside that room. And he enters the enters that room, and it's an empty office with a phone. And okay. He, he picks up the phone, calls calls his parents, his mom answers, and he's like, Mom, something strange is going on with the dad. No, he says something something weird's going on here. Well, you have to come get me. You have to get get me, but then – But then just before he even gets a chance to tell her the realty, a hand pulls the phone away, and you guys, it's the director – and he, the director picks up the phone and talks to 116's mom, and is like, "You know what, bitch? Like Brian is gonna be ready super early. Truly special children finish early. In fact, he'll, he'll be so be ready. ready tomorrow morning." And then direct the the director hangs up and tells Brian, "You've made your last error," and no, locks please. him in the room. And, um. Locks him in his room, takes him back to his room, locks him in his room. Cinderella, Cinderella. Brent, Brian falls asleep and he wakes up to a whimpering noise. <laughs> it's going like this. <laughs> it's going and it's coming from the vent and he looks down the d- down into the vent on the floor and he sees dozens of glittering eyes no i don't like it and the voices say save us save us robots the, the school, school makes a robot, a robot out of, of you. you they send a perfect robot home in your place and they make you live down here where no one can find you Shh, wait wait someone is coming they say brian's like oh my gosh i can't believe this is what's happening i have an idea so he grabs a piece of paper off the sheet like there's his drawers are lined with like you know like a lining sort like, of like a thing. drawer liner yeah something like that and he like pulls the lining out of the drawer and has a plan um he knocks on the door and says uh excuse me um a uh, guardian i need to use the restroom and when the door when the guardian opens the door to like let him out he shut like sort of stealthily shoves that drawer lining paper thing into the lock of the door. So when he tries to shut the door, the door doesn't actually close because the paper is blocking the lock. Lock, right. block. Right. And and that ends up working out. And when he... Once he feels like he's back in his room and alone, he peeks out and sees that the guardian is looking away, and he is able to escape the room because of the lock thing. Yes. And um, he has a spoon... <laughs> From, I guess, from like. From eating oh, they're all a sponge. G- they're all giving us, they are all given a spoon for to hold on to for the rest of their lives for every time they eat the gray oatmeal. A perfect spoon. And he throws the spoon down one side of the hallway to distract clang, the clang, guardian. Clang. Clang. And so the guardian, of course, goes running after the spoon like a velociraptor. Like the dish ran away with the spoon. And Brian sneaks the other way, even though I thought he was at the end of a hallway. And um mm. he creeps down some stairs and he hears a voice saying what are you doing down here but don't worry it's just CJ his best friend and CJ's like listen up girl I know how to get our asses out of here let's go down here and he leads him around the corner down a short hall and presses on a wall panel that slides away and CJ's CJ says this leads outside I know where I'm going and then but as that wall panel sort of slides away Ryan's like but it's so d- it's so dark in there. And he, Wait a in, second. Inside the inside of the, the the room, I guess, he hears whispering and shuffling feet. And he realized those are all those hidden kids whispering to him. And CJ says, sorry, this is where you'll be hidden too, Brian. I work for the Guardian. My job was to guard you. No. No. And, and Brian gets put into that room and the wall panel shuts behind him. And he screams and screams and screams. Cut, Cut to. Two. Mrs. O'Connor, um... So Mrs. Connor, the next day, is picking up 116. I'm sorry, he's picking up Brian at the perfect school. And as soon as he's out there, she tells the director, oh my gosh, Brian looks perfect! And Brian smiles and stares straight ahead, holding his suitcase like every good robot should. He will be perfect now, says the director. We, we guarantee, guarantee it. it. And this is still from Brian's perspective. And Brian says, that was two days ago. I've been trying to be perfect, but it's not easy. He said, what had What had happened was, I pulled CJ into... To the room and escaped somehow Um, I I I locked CJ in that room And then I snuck up to the robot room And then I dragged my robot down And then I put my robot In the room instead And then I snuck back into the robot room And I pretended to be the robot And now I'm pretending (laughs) to be the robot And someday I'm gonna go back To free the kids But in the meantime I I have to pretend to be perfect And boy it's hard (laughs) <laughs> like oh, it shoves all that information so in right much. At the end. Like explaining, it's like what? Yes. You, where was the robot room? How? Why didn't we get to do all that? Anyway, I'm gonna read the first paragraph and last paragraph of the short story. Yes, great. Going to boarding school was not my idea of a great time. It was not my idea at all. But other than that, I've been perfect. Really. <laughs> He says, uh, to, to, to read a little more of this, he says, It's hard to be perfect, and I teased the dog this morning. I ate three Snickers bars for lunch, and then I spilled some grape juice on the white couch. Oh, but I'm trying. more, Yes, you're right. This, this short story has more to it. There's only 13. It's a 13-page short story. It's and I short. genuinely think we could have filled an entire Goosebumps book with that. Well, that's maybe why they made the TV episode into two long parts. Yes, girl. And I'll tell you what. From Basically, what happens in um, parts one and two of The Perfect School is it opens, there is lightning and thunder, but no rain, and it does that for an hour straight, and then the episode's over. I have never seen—I I mean, it's really becoming a thing, don't you think? It's so extreme in, this, in these two episodes. In, in almost all the Goosebumps episodes, it feels like, as of late, there have been lightning storms. In fact, I'd say, like, half of the episodes start with lightning and no rain. It's shocking, And like it's um it's kind of subliminal, because like I didn't pick up on it growing up at all. You know what I mean? Or like when I watched this when I was younger. But but now now that I'm dead, and it's like lightning flashing. It feels like at least once or twice per second. Yeah. Like it's that fast. It's It's nonstop lightning. Yeah. Um. uh, Anyway, uh, just to give you some context, the the perfect school two episodes they both aired the same day which was November 15th, 1997. Mm. And they were, it was season three, episodes 11 and 12. So as we were saying, it starts off with a lightning and thunderstorm. And there's like a little boy scared in his room. All the lights are off in the house. He seems to be home alone. And, and the voice goes... This is actually kind of frightening. It's kind of a terrifying opening. It is. And the voice is going, Brian is first. You're next. And this voice is, seems to be coming from a vent in this kid's room. In the normal, like, house. Riley O'Connor. Riley. first. like a, you know it looks like a you know every house that's ever used in a Goosebumps TV episode and it th- then we cut to presumably this boy's parents commenting on how like they're like they're on a date night out you know and they're like oh we finally have some alone time but maybe we should get back home yeah i don't know what but leaving the boys home alone like that and then we cut back and forth between we just see like boots and gloves coming up the stairs with you guys, the most extreme amount of of, of lightning and no rain, and we see this like dark masked assailant. Yeah, basically. It's, like a, it's like a. It seems like a threatening like killer with a black ski mask over his face. Yeah, and he's like terrifying. He like comes into the room where the little boy is screaming, and he's like, "You're next." And. This coincides with the parents coming home. They decided to come home a little early from their date night. And they sort of turn the lights on and They're pull like, the ski mask off of this predator. And it is Brian. It's Brian O'Connor. So it's like, Brian, you're torturing your little brother. And he's like, that's what I'm supposed to do. How else are brother brothers supposed to... Do? So then pretty quickly, his ass is getting sent off to the perfect school. Can we talk about this actor for a second? Yes. This, um, I I, I, I this this actor fascinates me a little bit. Interesting, B- because he's so uninteresting. Yes, he's he's extremely unlikable. He and is choiceless. He is. I think the character is unlikable, frankly. But this this actor, like to me, he kind of looks like a model and not an actor necessarily. I agree. He's like vi- he's very you know he's thirteen of course. I know this is just goosebumps, but like with the right actor, you know. You, an unlikable character can be likable. Think about Julia Roberts and My Best Friend's Wedding. You're right. You're absolutely right. This actor is, he. he's, like, c- kind of got crazy smize eyes, like... Yeah, he's, like, crazy gorgeous, but very, crazy dead inside. Yes, and it feels to me like literally every one of his lines is dubbed over. I think so. Like, every single one. Maybe. May, maybe all of them, and... He kind of I, – I, I don't want to sound harsh here, yeah. but I'm making a judgment on this actor, mm-hmm. and he seems like a dumb guy. Yes. Yes. I didn't look him up at all, but I would be shocked with a T to hear that he worked more. So, um, but not as a model. He could work as a model. Oh, he. I think he'd work nonstop. Yeah. And I think honestly, I hope that's what he's doing, and I hope he's had an illustrious career as a as a runway model. Maybe they made him. Maybe they cast him because they knew like perfect robot him would look gorgeous. Yes, and you know what? The, he he he's like he does look gorgeous. Yeah, he's glistening and gorgeous. So there's that. Um, but he doesn't really. Um, it, he doesn't really emote. He kind of gives like a half-assed ADR apology for what happened the night before. and You should be congratulating me on my creativity. Most brothers would have just jumped out of the closet and yelled boo. Come on, mom. You're not really going to send me away, are you? A little time away from home will do you good. Are you serious? Did you read the brochure? The perfect school. Why settle for anything less than perfect? Are they kidding? Very quickly mentions it's summer vacation, so he's going on like summer school um but next thing you know he's on a bus and it's like the bus is like totally it feels like army or like prison you know what i mean yes the, and there and there is a cj and he meets cj and what's there's an addition there's also a kid named joe um who's not in the short story i believe mm-hmm. and joe's like cj's like pretty cool with his oakley sunglasses and yes. there's, like, a nerdy guy with also with glasses and curly hair and sort of a little pig nose. It kind of it feels like Welcome to Camp Nightmare to it me does. in a way. It does. It feels a lot like Welcome because to, to Camp Because they kind of introduced Nightmare. this kind of, like, motley crew of kids, like, at the beginning. And Brian's like, that kid looks like he belongs at church, not in prison like we're going to. And this bus pulls into, I think this episode, it, it works just fine, but I think it, like, to me and I obviously think about this stuff way too much but mm. that's what this podcast is um to me the location is a struggle i feel like it they I'm not convinced the location is the correct location to film this TV episode. Well, that, that kind of, I mean, I'm not convinced that the, that the forest where they shot One Day at Horland was the right choice, but probably, you know, budget and stuff. Budget, budget, budget. They pull into, like, a, a big hangar kind of thing. Yes. And, you know, again, it's all boys. It's all, like, guys. It's not guys and girls like I believe the short story was. And they witness, yes, a perfect boy being picked up by his father or his parents saying, Hello, mother. Hello, father and the all the the you know students or kids that were on that bus have to line up and empty their pockets and you know they're all like kind of like supposed to be like quote bad kids and they have to like you know give up their their um, yeah with their Oakley sunglasses and their 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 bandanas and even the retainers they have to get rid of everything oh. and so they're all like li- like vaguely kind of lined up and brian ends up getting in a Wildly pointless fight with a kid who's mopping near them. Yeah, in like, like a gray this happens uniform. so quickly. Yeah, there, there's like another gray. There's a kid in a gray uniform who's like mopping stuff up, and they just I don't know immediately get into a fist fight. Yes, because Brian's like, hey, you missed a spot, and the kid's like, choke on it, and they start fighting and fighting. And the boy is taking is taken away. The, the boy that Brian is fighting with and you know one of the guardians or whatever is like your program is being accelerated. So we're and, just diving right in already acceleration. And they meet this director or whatever. Or introduce to the director, but I think he's called the headmaster in the episode. I don't really know. I don't remember. Um but cut to yeah 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 Brian is like sleeping in his room. It's lightning and th- yes it's a I, was to, storm. I was just about to say like even though we're even though we're at the perfect school and we're not home anymore, assaulting our little brothers, <sighs> pretending to be murderers, there's still intense lightning and they do this thing, which I think is supposed to be, like, a little military kind of vibe, where it says, day two, 6.15 a.m. Yeah, like, you digitally. Know, digital, like, letters pop up in the bottom of the screen numbers. It's not super effective. And they're at breakfast, and Brian notices that the guy that he got in the fight with yesterday is gone, the, with the mop, is gone. And... Um, Joe the sort of nerdy guy takes CJ's biscuit at breakfast and gets in trouble for taking his food that's not his own food or something anyway it feels very military very like prison a roll or something yeah yeah his roll or something his, his little bread roll they take that test that is in the short story they'd fill out lots of pages. And Brian's like, oh, what is this? That night, again, it's a lightning storm. Yes, just tons and tons. And while during that lightning storm, Joe, the nerdy guy, and Brian are cleaning the stairs with toothbrushes. Yeah, like they're in fucking midway. Right. I don't know. And the the guy that Brian got in the fight with, the guy with the mop, walks up and apologizes and said, I'm so sorry about yesterday. I'm going home today. And is like very polite. And they're like, Brian's like, what is happening here? And Brian's like, I'm getting out of here. And Joe's like, really? And Brian's like, yep, this place is weird. And just walks out. Yeah, and like, then he sees that there's a a fence around the perfect school that is electrified. And then all of a sudden, we're just, Brian's trying to escape and guards are chasing him. And yeah, some alarm is going off. The exterior of the perfect school kind of looks like a one level, like, sort of, White country club kind of, I don't even know how to explain it. It doesn't really look like a big old military institution. No, there's institution like a rose or trellis school. and like yeah, it's like a gardened sort of like. I guess it can't be one story because of some stuff, but like low white country club esque kind of building is what how I kind of view it. Yes, and there's also like no like sometimes with Goosebumps books or whatever, there's like a presumption of like. This place isn't so bad, but wait, there's some weird things about this place. Wait, this place is evil. This just the second you get there, you know this place is bad. It's treated as such. Everyone there are militant evil people, and you're already just knee deep in like conflict. So there's like this big chase sort of kind of thing where spotlights are spinning around the yard of the perfect school, and Brian's ducking and doing somersaults and. They were like a, a must be good with movement, right? A students escaped, and the headmaster starts checking all the rooms. And so, there's just like kind of like it's supposed to be like really, really tense where it's like the, 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 you know, he's going room by room to check and to see if, you know, the, this students like the kids are in there and Brian sneaks up into his room through the rose this fucking rose trellis and just as he climbs in and like you know is there the director comes into his room and he's like oh hey sir what's going on and like gets away with it yeah it's supposed to be very tense it goes on for actually a pretty long amount of time one might even say too Too long long. and I can't believe that anybody working at the perfect school wouldn't see brian like running around rolling around because it's not that dark yeah anyway he manages to yes get there just and brian in time. thinks that this was all joe's doing in a way he's like he thinks joe's like a total snitch and so he doesn't trust his ass right because yes exactly and um cj sort of plants that idea to brian he mm. says hey you know like just so you know joe got a bigger room and has been getting more food lately. More rolls and biscuits. And I think he might've ratted on you. So he's like getting in their good graces, getting in that good, good. And so Brian like checks in on Joe that night and kind of like threatens Joe. And he's not, I mean, Brian's not a likable guy. Nope. He's like, he like really kind of harshly threatens Joe and it's not cute. And, and there's way more lightning. Brian hears those children's voice, like children's voices. Um, kind of like the short story. and he af- after he has sort of threatened Joe in the middle of the night and then he hears a guard coming and runs down to his room lightning and so much lightning and thunder and no rain and ends up hiding in a room which very kind of similar to the short story, um, finds an office with a phone and he uses the phone to call like his mo- mom or whatever. and while he's picking up the phone, he sees tissue samples. On slides by the desk. <laughs> and he's like, What? And says, Mom, all this freaky stuff is happening. There are these voices. And I wrote the worst actor ever. <laughs> and the headmaster interrupts him and the guards take him away. And the and headmaster's like, We're going to accelerate your program. Where? Hello? Mom, Mom, it's me. You got to get me out of here. Brian, why are you calling so late? What's wrong? There's a lot of really freaky stuff going on here. I want to come home. You have to come and get me. Brian, is this another prank? You're only making it harder on yourself. Mom, there's something wrong here. There are these voices. Hello, Mrs. O'Connor. This is the headmaster. I just want to reassure you that we're doing everything possible to change, Brian. He's a bit of a tough case, but we guarantee he'll be just perfect when Mrs. O'Connor. Bye-bye. Your program will be accelerated mm. starting tonight. Get him out of here. And if you can believe it, there's more crazy lightning and thunder. Yes. And someone opens Brian's door as he sleeps with what, and like covers Brian's mouth with his white, his white gloves and shoves a syringe into his neck. Yes, and that's so the end of part one. End of part one is the mystery injection, which I mean, mystery injections did not happen in the book. No, it's getting kind of nasty. So, part one. What's going to happen in part two? So, part two starts with him being like on a gurney, sort of stretcher, being rolled down a hallway with masked surgeons all around him, and it's sort of the camera angles and everything are very warped and spinning, and it feels very like you on drugs. And like he see, he like has this like it's the it's like a body measuring scene where like doctors are like measuring his body take his and cl- all shirt off and measure his clothes, tits. and then he like <laughs> he like you know, and then he like wakes up in bed. And was well, like, he's, like, sh- kind of shaken awake by CJ. And CJ's like, Brian, Brian, are you awake? You almost laid the glare. Yeah. And um, CJ's, like. So Brian's kind of like, was that shit a dream or did that really happen? And CJ's like, you probably just had a dream. There, are, I-, I thought this was kind of interesting, at least some side note. There's these signs in the hallways that say stuff like, walk with- in a single file, no spitting, no running. With perfection, all things are possible. That's right. And Brian and CJ continue to whisper how they think Joe is definitely a spy because Joe's doing so great in class and is probably ratting on Brian. And the teacher yells at um, CJ and Brian because they're talking in class and, makes Bri- and asks Brian to go wait in a waiting room. And in the waiting room, Brian sees Joe there. And he's like, oh, well, what are you doing I here? I thought it was like detention. Yeah, it's like detention. Yeah. But it's like they're waiting to see somebody, though. It's like they're waiting to see the headmaster yes, or, the or somebody. Yes, that's true. It's like going to the principal's office, and you're, like, right outside the principal's office. And Brian's office. like, fuck you, you fucking snitch. Like, you've been spying and and whatever. And Joe's like, yo, girl, I straight up did not. He goes, I'm just going along to get along. You ever heard of that? I'm just trying. And then he was like, and, and, and get this, Brian. I'm going to sneak out tonight. Well, Brian's like, "What are yeah, what are you even doing here? And Joe's like, oh, I just took a sip of water when I wasn't supposed to. But here, let's get out of here. And... What well, tonight's the night? But then the headmaster shows up and takes Joe away. No, and again Brian hears those voices. No, those voices, and they're coming across. They're coming from a vent, like in a ceiling. Yeah, he like follows the voices where they're coming from. Like, what is this? The haunted school. Yeah, and kind then of. He finds. Find, they're coming from a vent in a room with like a computer on it. Yeah, so he like goes and looks at the computer. It's kind of like the boss's I don't know office or whatever, and all of a sudden he just hops on the computer like he's fucking Lexi from Jurassic Park and like is accessing the hard drive. What is the system in Jurassic Park? She's oh, like she's like, Oh, this is a Chantix system. Oh, I don't know, Joe would know though. File. To reach the um, but then he like searches himself on this old computer and a nudie picture of him comes up of him scanned and it says 95% complete yes and it's under a file that says um there, there's like files that say nursery enrollment and then he sees that there like his there's like a little red sort of like circle around his his nudie picture his knee and it's like this knee is still not complete or whatever. To be clear, he's wearing black boxer briefs. Oh yeah. But um, while he's looking at his his naked self, he, the doorknob starts like spin in the in the, the door of the room where that he's in. The doorknob starts like spinning and spinning and slowly keeps spinning, yes. keep spinning, and lightning, spinning. lightning, lightning. Yes. And then opens, and then we cut like the camera cuts back to where Brian was, and he's gone. And a guard was like. Walks in and has responded to an alert that he said, oh, there's nobody in here. Must have been a system malfunction. And somehow Brian has hidden in a vent in the ceiling in that split second. Yeah, so he's, like, up there and his, like, sweater gets caught. So he has to take it off. And he's climbing around in the vents and climb, like, through that the whole, like, can you do that? doesn't don't, matter. You. It happens a lot in TV and movies. I really don't think so. My guess it would be, like, too tight and your, like, knees would, like, puncture it. Yeah, so he climbs out of the vent, like, a little ways down, and then sees everybody cleaning the stairs, which apparently people only clean the stairs at the Perfect School. Yes, Perfect Stairs. And he tells CJ, like, I'm getting out of here. Um, CJ's like, I'll go with you. And they kind of, like, spill some water and planlessly escape. (laughs) Yeah, CJ, like, kicks a bucket into a kid's face. Like... Of, of the like a bucket of water that they're using to clean the stairs or whatever. And they make this plan to go like hide in some laundry. They're like, we're going to go hide in a pile of clothes in the laundry room and be taken out with the laundry or whatever. Mm-hmm. And there's tons of lightning, tons of thunder. And the guards are like, hey, what happened? Where's Brian? Oh, urgh. and Brian is running and finds like the the nursery like the room that's called the nursery or whatever, and sees a chart with his name on it and his measurements, and finds this weird lab. It's like a neon kind of glowing science science lab. And there's like tubes. He and sees stuff. like floating baby chunks and like yeah, there's like a big tube, big tube, glass tube with water in it and floating baby chunks and like. A large glass case with a ba- dead baby. And then it. finally, he finds a very sexy, naked, glistening version of himself. Yeah, it's like an oiled up, slicked up, just neon version of himself, just standing in a glass tube with a big old tube coming out of his belly button. And he, like, yanks his own umbilical cord out. And he's like, what has happened? Like, just pulls out his, and, and the the clone, whatever version of Brian, like, opens his eyes. And that's actually a, of an image that I think of a lot because they show that. And I think the opening credit for goosebumps two thousand, that um, um, ultimate, ultimate goosebumps. goosebumps. Yes. And Brian runs is scared, runs out of the room and runs into CJ, um, you know, cause they're still, they're still both together trying to escape. I don't know how they got split up, but um, Brian, um, Talks about, like, oh, they're cloning us. Uh, they did it with sheep, and I know that they can clone us. They can clone us. And CJ's like, what? This is crazy. Come with me. And CJ leads him to a room filled with a big cage filled with kids. It's like a dungeon of dirty, tired, and completely quiet children. And, you know, oh, it's CJ. CJ's been the one this whole time. Not Joe. Just like the book. and Or the short story. And CJ and sort of Brian kind of fight. but and, and while they're sort of, like, physically fighting, the kids reach their hands through the bars and, like, grab CJ and hold on to CJ. And and then Brian gets cornered by an orange, slimy, naked version of himself, and then an army of robots. I'm sorry, Robits. And... They're like they're basically like, You're not going anywhere. Like all the robot versions of his classmates are like you're Dion you know I did point out there is at least they th- some chances are taken in the directing, which is kind of exciting. Yes. There's I like mean, one like, pretty amazing shot of It's too bad the actors aren't better or Brian's not better because like there's kind of like a, a one of like a spinning around the two of them and like all these canted angles and it's kind of fun. It is kind of fun. I wish I wish I liked this a little more. Yes, it should be better than it is. But then it cuts to commercial. And when we get back from commercial, Brian's at home. And he is just sitting perfectly at dinner. And his little brother's like, hey, I liked you better before. And then you're too perfect now. And then it cuts back to the cage and... You see the cage for the kids, and Brian's in the cage, and he's like, hey, uh, I- I'm the clone. You don't understand. You are I'm the perfect one. He switched me out, and I'm the clone. And then every all the other dead kids in the dungeon, too, start going, I'm yeah, the clone. Yeah, me too. Uh, yeah, I'm, the clone. I'm the clone. I'm the clone. As, like, guards are, like, handing them bowls of soup, and they all scream, saying, I'm the clone. I'm the clone. Cut back to um, Brian at home working on his laptop, and his little brother comes in and is like, hey – uh, oh, I got stuck to my chair. I've been glued to my chair. Help. And Brian's like, oh, must have been an accident. And, like, the kid, like, sort of wobbles away with the chair glued to his butt. And then we see Brian, like, reach into his dresser drawer and or, like, desk drawer and pulls out a stick, like, a tube of glue or whatever. And, like, that goosebump sort of, like, tambourine music starts playing. <laughs> and he's like... Uh, and it, we see that Brian's on the computer somehow accessing the, like, perfect school mainframe. Because he's, like, a computer genius sometimes, remember? And he says, um, don't worry, you guys. I'll, I'm going to get I'll you I'll get, get you out of there. Boom, boom, You got to get me out of here. I keep telling you. Brian shoved me in here and took my spot. I am the clone. Brian O'Connor's clone. Yeah, I'm a clone too. Come on, you gotta get me out of here. Come on, please. You gotta get me out of here. I'm Joe Roberts' clone. We're all clones. Let us all out. Come on. Nice try. Someone put glue on my chair. Really? Why would someone do that on purpose? Must have been an accident. Operation Rescue. Don't worry, guys. I'll get you out of there. It's the last thing I do. I'll get you out of there. Which I kind of find to be the most unbelievable part of the whole episode because the, the kind of guy that we've, we've like, spent all this time with doesn't seem like he cares about anyone really except for himself. No, yeah, it seems out of character. In fact, I would prefer the ending to be, like, just he's out of there and he's not trying to save anyone. You know what I mean? Um, I, I meant to point out earlier in the short story... When I was rereading it this time and where I thought it was going to go and I hoped where it was going to go and I forgot about the actual ending was that – remember when he filled out that thing saying like he calls his dad Featherhead and his mom Jellyface and – you know he eats cold lumpy oatmeal. I thought it was going to be something like when he goes home, the perfect version gets home, and it's like, "Good morning, Featherhead. Hello, Jellyface. Are we having lumpy oatmeal for lunch today?" And it was going to like, "Womp womp," because he filled out his thing wrong. Yes, that would be really, really. Does that fun. make sense? That's what I thought was the end of the episode or the book, the short story. I mean, and I wish that kind of worked because I think that's so funny. I th- I wouldn't put it past Rl for doing that. Yeah, me too. Like I think. I think that would be really, really cute. I really think nice. this two-part episode's a bit of a clunker, but there's a lot of potential with the short story itself, and I like the idea behind it. Yes, this two-part TV episode, it it does, it, it feels like there is enough content to make it two episodes, but it still drags. Well, if you want to watch this episode and have fun, I suggest you do a drinking game where every time lightning flashes, well, I don't know, yeah, you'll maybe, maybe not. You'll be you'll be dead. Maybe by. beer and just like a little sip, like a little sip. Yeah. Um. Say hey to us, you guys. Yeah, we've had so many fun and cute emails and comments and DMs and stuff like that. Dion, I want you to read that email that we got. Yes, we we got uh, w- you can email us at welcome to deadcast at gmail.com and we get we hear from you guys all the time and it's so sweet to hear from you. We just got this email just today that I wanted to read that I thought was kind of cute. Um, it's from a listener named Josh, and he says, hey guys, finally getting around to emailing you. I gotta say, absolutely adore your podcast. I started listening back when the newest episode was The Blob That Ate Everyone, Ooh. and I binged the whole show in about a week. A more personal thanks for totally rekindling my love of the bumps. Thanks to you two for your unparalleled enthusiasm. Oh. I dug up my childhood collection and reread the entire original series over last summer and fall, and man, I just had so much fun. Dig it up. Then I rewatched the TV show with my Redhead son, lol, who's too young to understand it but loves it all the same. And when the theme song kicks in, he drops whatever he's doing and runs to the living room. Lol, it's a hoot. I can't wait for you to delve into series 2000. I never read them as a kid. But last year, as a grown-ass man, I was – I – what was – I never read them as a kid, so last year as a grown-ass man was the first time I read them, and they're wild. I think that series has some of the best and some of the worst books in the entire Goosebumps library. I'm excited to see if your opinions line up with mine on some of them. As for the short stories, they're fun to read, but most of them just don't stick in my memory for some reason. Maybe just because they're so short. Well, now I'm rambling, but yeah, thank you guys for Rekindling, A Childhood Obsession. Keep up the great damn work. Oh, so I love sweet. That. Thank you, Joshua. I love that. It's one of my um, favorite ones in a while. Thanks for reaching out to us. Please say hi you can say hi to me directly on Twitter as Daniel Montgomery or on Instagram as Daniel X Montgomery. And my Instagram is Matthew underscore Scott underscore Montgomery. My Twitter is iRobotUJane. Okay, girl? Please say hi. Give us a review I yeah, definitely iTunes. say hi. I feel like we've been getting a lot of kind of extra questions lately about what the future of, like, Deadcast is going to look like and, like, what kind of stuff we're going to be doing. And I think I, I kind of just wanted to reiterate that and correct me if I'm wrong, Daniel. We're gonna keep going through the tales to give you goosebumps to round that out, and then we're gonna go into Goosebumps 2000. Yes, I we I, we, I was flirting with the idea of doing the give yourself goosebumps. Yeah, maybe we'll do that as well. Um, and then we also have we have a there's a lot more Goosebumps. Yeah, in you case guys. you guys don't know, like Arlstein's Steins still writing Goosebumps to this day. I think like four or five come out a year. Um, there's also more TV episodes. Yeah, there's several TV episodes that aren't. Aren't um, tr- are are were original for the TV series. Yes, that's true. So we and there's the Triple Header books as well. Oh, I forgot about Triple Header. There are there's a lot of goosebumps still to happen. Yeah, so I hope you guys I mean we've been around for what 5 years at this point like but it's going to be like 5 gonna, more. At least. It's just going to keep going and keep going and keep no, going. That's for sure. So um, we hope that you join us. So n- next we'll be getting into For the birds, these book these short short stories keep getting weirder. They're gonna get weirder, and they're going, you guys, to get nastier. Okay, nastier. Yeah. So come fly away with this bird next time, oh, if If you you dare. dare.